met them smelling of smoke uh, last night. Praise the Lord. Um, are you expectant? If, if you are expectant, please uh, sit like an expectant person. Uh, are you, how does an expectant person sit now? Uh, they sit with their necks stretched out in anticipation of something that's just about to happen. And there is something that's just about to happen here. Amen. Uh, I want to start off by, by, by just highlighting a thing that I think is important, our mountain of learning. It's the MOL. And uh, this is for our leaders. Anyone and everyone who is in leadership in this church, we want you to come and to participate in the mountain of learning uh, series. It's going to be between on when, every Wednesday in January, every Wednesday and a repeat on Saturday. Come, because we want to empower you. We want, to, we, want to, we want to transfer knowledge to you and give you a thing that will be able to propel ministry in the year 2020. So please, if you are a leader, it is vitally important. Come and be part of the mountain of learning. And I know that many of us are fasting. Uh, this is, uh, it's been a long time since we did 21 days. But I, when I look around, I see very, very shiny faces. People are looking good. It means that you are, even as you have begun fasting... Uh, you are taking good care of yourselves. That's good. Some of us are not fasting yet. Uh, but uh, I am trusting that uh, at the end, be, by the end of these 21 days that God has given to us, that you will have done a few. There's always a starting point. Maybe one day, maybe two days, maybe three days. Somebody told me, by the way, Pastor, you told us that we are fasting for 21 days from 6 to 6. That is too easy. I, I normally do this on, unusual, on a normal day. So uh, they are going to now, I told them, I encourage them, you continue, do seven days uh, without eating at all. And then, uh, you know, so there, there are many dimensions to the fasting. Praise the Lord. We can take a fasting and, and just do uh, vegetables only. If you are unable to do without food, do ve vegetables. Only just vegetables. I can see guys cringing. Hey, I tell you that there is going to be a reward at the end of this. So those two things, as we start off. Last, year, uh, last week, we opened the year by declaring that this year, 2020, is going to be the year of perfecting faith. We all have been given a measure of faith. Each one of us has a measure of faith. And we know from Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3 that to each one has been given a measure of faith. But it is not enough just to have that measure of faith because all of us have a measure of faith. Everyone in the world has a measure of faith. We all have faith, which is why we seated. Uh, uh, last week we said, which is why we are sitting on that chair. You didn't do an investigation to find out if it can hold you. By faith, you just plonked yourself and you sat. Everyone has faith. But then it is incumbent upon us to grow our faith. From the small little faith that we are given, that measure of faith, it is incumbent on us to be able to grow it and to move it from little faith into great faith. And this is what we want to do in this year, that we want to move from little faith to great faith. Last week we saw that Peter uh, moved into a place of great faith by doing one thing, by focusing his eyes on Jesus. 
focusing his eyes on Jesus. As he was in the boat and he saw Jesus approaching, walking on water, he, he asked Jesus, if that is you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And by the very fact of him focusing his eyes on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible. He was able to defy gravity. He was able to turn water into kind of ground and walk on water. As he was walking on water, uh, as he, his faith was immediately moved into great faith that he was able to walk. But as soon as his focus moved to the waters and the wind, he began to drown. Ours this year is to say that we want in this 2020 to be a community of people who are growing, are perfecting our faith, moving from little faith into great faith. We want to be a community of people who are, last week as we saw, who God is not ashamed to be called their God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 16 of last week, we say that there is a people for whom God is not ashamed to be called their God. But then it means the inverse of that, there are a group of people for whom God is ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because they are not putting any demand on the power of God. We as a church, we as individuals are saying, we want to put a demand on the power of God. We want to put a demand on the glory of God. We want that God be honored by the things that we attempt to do. By the things that we, we do in and around our lives for the sake of the kingdom. That they may be things that may give glory and honor to God. One of those things we have said is that we want and we are praying that God may give us the capacity to make 30,000 disciples. 30,000 disciples by the year 2025. This is, uh, it is achievable because we know that our God is able to do these things. By our own powers, we are unable to do it. But by the power that God gives us, we are able to do it. We want to make an impact in the place that God has planted us. We want to occupy this land, our heartland. We want to make sure that this heartland knows that there is a God that is alive. We want that no one should go to hell in this heartland and say that they, nev that they never knew that Jesus is alive and Jesus is a savior. Why? Because God has planted us here. There must be a reason for us to be here. And the reason for us to be here is to win this heartland. Is to show and to demonstrate the majesty and the power of God here in this place as the Lord has called us. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the only way, the only way that we can increase our faith. The only known way for us to increase our faith is to look at Jesus, is to fix our eyes on him. Today we talk about establishing our vision and making sure that we have vision 2020. How can we do that in this year 2020? It is this that we need to look and to fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you something. You cannot get or achieve anything unless you see it first. Until and unless you have seen it, you will not get it. There are famous people in the world who have talked about, uh, uh, we know the, the, the famous I have a dream speech. He had to have seen Martin Luther uh, uh, King. He had to have seen something for him to have said, I have a dream. I have seen something. I have been to the mountain and I have seen something. He has seen, he had seen something of God. And this is what we are saying. You cannot achieve something until unless you see it. Listen, there was one lady called Lillian Disney. And uh, Lillian Disney was the wife uh, of uh, Walt Disney. 
Walt Disney is the creator of the fabulous uh, Walt Disney World. That for me is a bucket list. One of the things that I need to do in this world is to go and to swing on those swings. In, 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 in. I may throw up, I may, I may faint, but I need to go there and... and ex Anyone has those, one of those bucket list things? <laughs> that for me is one of those things. And Walt Disney, he, he amazed me because of, of how he thought and how he would imagine things and they would come from nowhere. Lillian Disney, one time, was, uh, they, they were opening the Walt Disney World in the year 1971. Walt Disney himself had died in the year 1966 before they had just begun to build the Walt Disney World. So as they were opening this one, Five years after his death, somebody was standing next to his wife, Lillian, and began to, to tell her, oh, what a pity. I wish Walt was here to see this. Without batting an eyelid, she says, no. He, he had seen it. He saw it, which is why it is here. It is an impossibility to get something if you don't see it. Walt Disney had seen it. He had seen this thing in his mind. He had, he had imagined it and he had drawn it. He had, I mean, he had put plans down and therefore somebody else came and took that and made it. And now it became something. There is a realm which, not even talking about what our physical eyes can see, but there is a realm, another dimension that is available to us as humans. There is another realm that is is, is ethereal, it is there, it is present, but it is not, it cannot be seen necessarily with our physical eyes, but with our mental eyes, our spiritual eyes, we are able to see it. And this is only open for humans, nothing else. With our mind's eye, we can see things that are invisible to others. With our mind's eye, we can begin to be very creative and see things that uh, others may not be able to see. My son, is uh, uh, he, an interesting guy. His, his, his imagination is very, 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 I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, he can play. He has a stick that he plays with. When he, when he holds that stick, he, he translates himself to another place. He can play for two, one hour. He just plays, and I'm hearing things. Sometimes I stop and I say, now what is happening now? Where are you now? He looks at me and says, Dad, don't worry. Just leave me alone. And, and he goes on. Imagination. The power of imagination. This thing that we have talked about. Imagination is the power of the mind to form mental pictures. It's extremely powerful. And it happens to us without even us really trying. Whenever you read a book, when you read the book and you begin, you, you are translated into another realm the realm of the book writer. They be, you begin to read a story and you see things. You begin to see me, form mental pictures as you're going around, as you're going along and reading. I don't know if, if, if that is true for you, but I know that it is true. As I read a story, I begin to see it. I begin to see it and unleashes uh, the power of my imagination. When I think about uh, the things that I did in the past, when I, if I was to ask you, what did you eat for supper? your mind begins to go back and you begin to see a picture. Somebody pictured Ugali. Somebody pictured 
Skuma week. Somebody pictured December with all the meat and now you are in January. <laughs> Did you picture that? <laughs> you know, they, they, those things, they happen as, as you talk. Uh, it, it naturally just happens. Just, naturally just happens. I tell you a story about one day that I was driving. It was a really cold, dark, rainy night. I was driving along thicker road. And as we were coming down, all of a sudden, this lady appears from the side of the road and begins to dart and run right across the road. And she, I hit the brakes and she's like, we just narrowly missed her. She jumped off onto the other side. And she jumped off. I don't know, some of you, as I was telling you that story, were translated, you began to feel cold and were shivering. Some of you even realized the color of that, the dress that that girl was wearing. You saw it. Did you see it? Somebody heard the screeching of the brakes. You know, you heard it and you... you <laughs> this is imagination. And as, as men, God has made us in his image and his likeness. And God is a God of imagination. He has a lot of imagination. God used his imagination to great effect. To bring into existence all that we see now. It was from nothing. He brought it ex nihilo. He brought it in. He imagined it in his mind. And he brings it. What he saw in his mind is what he worked on. And it is now present. What he saw in his mind, he worked on. He said, let there be light. And the light, as he had seen it in his mind, is what became present as light. He said, whatever he said, he had seen it in his mind. And he brought it out. The Bible says he worked for seven days. Actually six days. He worked until it came forth. As men we are made in the same image and in the likeness of God. And we have the ability to see things and to creatively bring them into reality through work. We have that ability to see things in the ethereal sphere. But not only see them, but to bring them in to reality through our work. Adam, we know, had a, t a mighty imagination. He had a, a, a fantastic imagination. He was able to name all the animals. By the way, he named them all. We have trouble these days naming companies. How many companies do you have? You know, <laughs> whenever people name companies, they say, okay, your husband's name starts with Debbie, then your wife is glad, da, Davgla, Davgla Incorporated. <laughs> Some of us have names. You know, we have tried, we have thought of names, and it's like, hey, this is too much now. Davgla Incorporated. Any, any, any Davgla Incorporated here? <laughs> Our minds, our imaginations are, are, have fallen from the time that uh, Adam was alive. Why it fell was because of sin. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5 says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That is uh, KJV. That every, every imagination, put it, put it in the KJV, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. You see, God had a good plan. We were there in the Garden of Eden. We had 
we were like God. And we could imagine and we could bring things out of this realm called the spirit. We could bring it and through work and cause it to be seen. But however, something happened that we fell. And now we began to imagine all kinds of evil. But the Bible is a story of redemption. It's a story of how God is saving people. Of how God is redeeming us from our fallen state. And therefore from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation. We are seeing the redemptive plan of God. And God desires to redeem our imagination. He, he, he has desired to redeem it and you can see it in what he did with Abraham. If you look at your Bibles in Genesis chapter number 13, verse 14 and 15, we see God appearing to Abraham. And, and, and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Now, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. Lot and Abraham had been blessed of God. Both of them had, become, had grown wealthy. They had prospered. And they had many animals and many, 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 that their families were large and they couldn't remain in the same land. And therefore Abraham went to, Joe, to, to, to Lot and told Lot, now this is becoming a problem. Why don't you move Choose the side you're going to go. And Lot went to the green side. He went to the side that was well watered, that had rain, that had rivers. He said, I will go that side. And Abraham said, okay, fine. If you go that side, I will go to the other, the other side. And as soon as he went to the other side, God then appears to him and says, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. And God is very specific. He says, look northward and southward and westward and eastward look at all these places very specifically look at these places as you're looking there the bible says this all the land which you see that one i will give to you and your descendants forever i want to assure you that this one was not just the physical seeing there was another level there was the new dimension there was the other dimension that God is redeeming us. He's redeeming us through Abraham. He's saying, you look, look and see. If you see in the realm of the spirit, if you actually see and acknowledge and accept it, then I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. Abraham did so. Bible goes on to tell us in Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 5 that Abraham had been promised the child. And now, after a little while, things were getting a little, a little tough. So he asked God, are you sure this is going to happen? And, and in verse number 5, chapter 15, God takes him out. And he says, now look towards the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Abraham had been there had been waiting for a child. He had been promised. He looks at his wife, Sarah, and Sarah is growing old and she is unable to bear children. And he's thinking, now I've been promised this. Will this be true any longer? And God tells him, come. Open your eyes. Look and look. Count the stars if you are able to count them. Perceive in the spirit. These are going to be, your descendants are going to be as many as those. And I believe Abraham began to see youngsters. 
He began to see creepers crawling round, round about. He began to hear the, the sound of children bellowing. He began to see all of these things. And the Lord said that even after this, God credited him as righteous because he believed God. There is a way in which you are able to see into the invisible. You are able to see into a realm that is not present now. You are able to do it and God is redeeming your imagination. God is redeeming your sight. God began to cause man to again use his imagination in the right manner. But that imagination is not just good enough to imagine things or anything. There is a greater cause for why he wants us to have our eyes open. There is something that God wants us to see with our eyes. What is this that he wants us to see? In Numbers chapter 21, we want to see this. Numbers 21 verse 6 to 9. There is a, there is a story there that is a shadow, that is a type of what God wants for us who are in the New Testament. But it was in types and in shadows in the Old Testament. We'll read it. It says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses. I'm intrigued by this, by the way. The Lord sent fiery serpents. The Lord sent. Maybe there are some things that you're going through now that may be terrible but they could be sent of the Lord. I don't know who I'm speaking to there. But there are people who have died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if the serpent bit any man, then when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. There is a, a type here that Jesus or the word is, is telling us. We know that the devil is called the serpent. He is called the old, the ancient, the old serpent. We know that he, his desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is the thing that he does, and he does best. He is the father of lies from whom all lies come. And we know that he is, he, he is akin to the devil. In fact, he is akin to a snake. We are told that uh, his, his, his scheme is to bite us at the heel, but ours is to stamp and to squeeze his head, to crush his head. And this is what the Lord is saying, that uh, he is taking a symbol. He is raising this serpent up on a standard that looks somewhat like a cross. And as it is raised up, he is saying, listen, there is something that happens. When you have been bitten of the dragon, the liar, the devil, the cheat, when he has tried to destroy you, when he has tried to kill you with what, whatever his schemes are, if you look 
to this that is the standard, you will be healed. When you look, something happens. There begins a transfer in the spiritual realm. Something that you cannot explain. No one can explain it. No doctor can explain how healing comes upon somebody by looking at a snake that is hanging on to a... It, there's no one who can explain it. There are some things in the scripture that are not explainable. But it is received by faith. Somebody say, by faith. As you look at the Lord, as you look at this that is the Lord, which was a symbolic of Jesus hanging on the cross, as you look at him, something happens. There is a transfer of grace. There is a transfer of healing. There is a transfer of virtue. You, cannot, you may not be able to feel it, but it happens as you look on. In fact, there's a song that is sung. It says, Look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. It's recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. Somebody say, look and live. My brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. It's recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look. The Old Testament saints who are recorded in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, they were able to accomplish what they did because they looked and they saw some things. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 13 tells me this. Hebrews 11:13 says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises. Who are all these who died in faith? Abraham died in faith. He didn't receive the promise. Moses, the great uh, deliverer, died in faith. He never received the promise. Isaac died in faith. He never received the promise. Every David, uh, the King David, Solomon, all these men and women who are written about Jephthah, all of them died in faith without receiving the promise. However, it goes to say, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers and, and exiles, they saw the promise from a distance. They saw the, they saw the shadow. They saw the, the snake hanging there, but that snake hanging was symbolic of Jesus. They never saw Jesus. They saw it from afar. They saw it. Brothers, it is in the realm of sight. It is in the realm of what you are seeing. What is it that you are seeing? I want to tell you, your ability to see God this year, 2020, will determine your progress in this year. Your ability to see God, that you may open your eyes, that you may see Him, you may see the ethereal, you may see this that is a spiritual aspect, the dimension of God. The, that ability will determine how your year 2020 goes. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter number 3, there is a man, a prophet, a priest. He is called Eli or Eli, depending on which school you went to. Eli, the Bible says in, in verse number 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, he says, Eli's eyes had become weak 
his eyes had become weak. So it happened at that time that Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he couldn't see well. Listen, people who cannot see, people who don't have vision, will normally, normally be lying down. Others are working, others are doing things. But if you cannot see, you will be lying down. And I'm not talking about physical blindness. There are people who are physically blind, but are seeing greater things than people who are, have sight physical. But this is more than sight physical. This one, I believe God is saying that Eli had a problem. His eyes had become so weak. In fact, his vision, his weak vision, had resulted in inability to hear the word of God. Why, does, why do I say that? Because verse number one says that the word of God had, was rare in those days. Why was it rare? Because the priest who should have vision was blind, was unable to see God. And therefore, your sight even determines your hearing. How much you can see. If you, if you can't see God, you can't hear him. This is, what, this is what the scripture is saying. It says, open your eyes that you may see God. Eli was so weak. His eyes were so weak. His vision, he didn't have any vision anymore. He couldn't see ahead. He wasn't seeing what God was saying. The word of God was rare. Was rare. Because he couldn't see God. In fact, when you look at the sons of, of Eli, you see that indeed it is terrible to have a father who has no vision. It is terrible to see a father who cannot, to have a father who cannot see. Because they become, they lose restraint. Do you remember Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18? It says, without vision, a people lose restraint. A people die. In fact, they perish because you are not able to see God. If you cannot see God, then his word to you is rare. If you cannot see God, then you lose restraint. If you cannot see God, then you are unable to move and to advance in the way that God is calling us. It is important to see Jesus. Some Greeks in the New Testament, now you come to John chapter number 12. Some Greeks came to Philip and they, they asked Philip, Philip, we want to see Jesus. Oh, we want to see Jesus. And Philip was looking and wondering, now these are Greeks. And Jesus is a Jew. Should they be able to see him? I mean, there was a problem there. But they had understood something that they had and they needed to see Jesus. They needed to see Jesus. Brethren, there is something about what you see. <laughs> you become what you see. Are you aware that you become what you see? We can tell normally what you see by just looking at you. When I was in university, um, something happened there. When I was 23 years old, I enjoyed the ministry. Well, it's not the ministry. Is it the ministry? I enjoyed the ministry of MC Hammer. You know MC Hammer? <laughs> Some of you know MC Hammer. MC Hammer uh, had another outfit that he used to have. Some trousers that were major, big. Hmm? And my friend, I, I, because I used to watch MC Hammer so much, I went and acquired uh, the same kind of trouser. 
And you know those kind of trousers, you, you cannot just walk with them and you have to, you have to, the, the legs, the legs, because there's so much material around, you know, too much material everywhere. I used to walk in the streets of Nairobi. My mother, my mother would always remember, say, now boy, what is this? So this is a fashion. This one is a fashion. When the fashion wore out, my mother took that trouser and made a, a skirt suit. <laughs> I tell you that we can tell who it is that you're looking at. Who it is that you're looking where, where your heart, where you are intently looking. We can see. We can see. Glance at your neighbor and say, we know. <laughs> You see, Jesus is the word of, the, of, of God. Jesus, he is the word of God. And as we look intently at him, there is a spiritual exchange that happens. As we look intently at Jesus, who is the word of God, the question is, now you tell me, how, how, do, we look at, how, do, you, how do you look at Jesus? It is by looking at the word. My Bible tells me, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god this same jesus is the word he is written in fact this is logos it is written it is written here the written revelation of of the word of god it is right before us as we begin to intently look at the word my bible tells me in psalm 119 and verse 130 it says the entrance of your word brings light it brings light as we begin to look at the word it brings light Psalm 36 and verse number 9 says, In your light we see light. As you begin to intently look at Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, it is fixing your eyes on the word. This is what it is. As you look at him, something begins to happen. You begin to see truths about God. And they, become, they begin to become real to you. They begin to become real to you. I know that there have been seasons in my life when I have just been looking at the word. I have looked and looked at a, at, at a place when, I, when, when I, was, I was in some kind of trouble. I have looked at, 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 at verses that speak about my issues. I have looked and continuously looked. And when eventually I began convinced by the word, it began to become real to me. I was translated into a place, a different place. God is calling us to look at his word in this year 2020. To be a people who intently look at his word. You see, that standard that was raised with a snake, with a fiery serpent, that one, as they were looking, the children of Israel, they began to see Jehovah as Rapha. He, he became their healing as they looked. Just the mere sight, looking alone would bring healing. It means that there is something that is transferred in the spirit that you cannot explain, you cannot say it, but it happens as you look. And this is a secret for us in 2020 K3C, that we may look at Jesus, we may continuously, intently look at him, because in him is everything that we need. In him is everything that we need. I want us to, 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 to turn to Psalm 1 and verse 1, and we'll go on up until 3. Because this is important for us as a church. It's important for you as an individual. It says now, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. No stand in the path of sinners. No sit 
in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is such a man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is such a man. You see, God has always set it for you and for me. It is said, it is not that you have to do anything. You just comply with God. He says, blessed are you if you delight in the law of the Lord. And if in his law you meditate day and night. If you are looking at his law day and night. If you are looking at it, you are intently looking at Jesus. Intently looking at Jesus. The Bible says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. How are you blessed? It goes on to say in verse number 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You will be like a tree. You will be strong. You will be firmly planted, rooted, not shakable. Unshakable. When the economy is going bad, you are unshakable. Why? Because you know the economy does not belong to the world. But it is Jesus who is in control. Our Jesus is greater than the economy of Kenya. Somebody say a hallelujah. Our economy cannot match the economy of Jesus. Where we lack here, he has never lacked. In fact, he is called El Shaddai, the God of many breasts. The one who has no lack, has no shortage of supply. Ah, have you ever heard of a, sh you know, in this world we, we, we deal with shortages. In this world we are talking about supply and demand. According to, to God in God's kingdom, there is never a lack of supply. Why are there things expensive? Why are things expensive in this world? It is because there is a lack of supply. There's a lack of supply. That's why they're expensive. Some years ago, somebody smart decided uh, to go and, uh, and, and, and buy. They were looking for uh, these, 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 these things called chameleons. And they went and they asked people, please, bring in a chameleon and we'll pay you good money. We'll pay you money. All of a sudden, people were running for chameleons. And you know how chameleons look. For us as Africans, we, we normally don't like chameleons. I, 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 know, I know for a fact you see a chameleon and say, whoa, in, in, in. <laughs> but because somebody was offering money for chameleons, people were looking for chameleons that they may take for that research. And the man bought chameleons. Until now, chameleons were running out of... People are now chasing, looking. Where are chameleons? Can we find chameleons? Where are chameleons? Normal, ordinary Kenyans who, don't, who fear chameleons are looking for chameleons because there is a shortage of supply. In the same manner, if, if God would just release all of a sudden that gold would be in abundant supply, the value of gold would come zero. Because it is, everybody has it. it if, if, you know diamonds, by the way, let me not go there. But there's a matter of demand and supply. Our God is saying that those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who meditate on him, will be like a tree that is firmly planted, unshakable, unmovable by whatever happens around because they know where their help comes from. He says that same person will yield its fruits in its season. 
if you delight in the, in, 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 in the law of the Lord, you're meditating upon it, you will be abundant in your production of fruit. In the book of, of, of Revelation, chapter number, uh, at the end of chapter number, I think it's 22, it talks about a tree in the, in the garden which yields fruit 20, 12, 12 seasons. Every season there's a new fruit. Every season there's a new fruit. How many want to be fruitful every year, every month of 2020? Every month there's a new fruit. Every month there's a new fruit. Are you one of those ones? This is what it says. Delight in the Lord. Meditate. Look. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And you will be able to be fruitful in season. And it's, it's required. You know, seasons are not just days, months. But they are, they are times, sometimes pockets of time. The children of Issachar, they understood time and seasons. You and I, if we are looking at the word, we have to then also understand times and seasons. It is not just that we will respond to anything in any season. No. There are ways and means of responding. And the Bible says that if you are meditating on the word, he will give you the right fruit in its season. In the earlier service, I was saying, you know, Joseph was being run after by somebody called Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife was all, all over him and had cornered him almost, had held him by the... And, 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 and in that season, he had to know the right thing to do. The right thing to do was to take off and run. And he ran. But you know, there are others who may be here among us who may be thinking, no, there's another thing that I, I can rebuke the devil. My friend, you can rebuke the devil. And very soon you're rebuking the devil. And, rebuke, and you end up finding that Potiphar's wife has overcome you. You must do the right thing in the right season. Ah. Are, you, are, you, are you with me? The right thing at the right season. For us as a church, we are in a season of fasting and prayer. Are you in that season? Or you, you are saying, now is my time now that I really, I really, I really want to eat now. <laughs> there is a season for everything. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes, there is a time and a season for everything. And if you are meditating on the word, you will realize the time, the right time and the right season. God is saying something to us. He who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his word, will yield its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does. Ah, this one I know is many people are here saying hallelujah to that. In whatever he does, he prospers. In whatever you do, you prosper. In the year 2020, do you want to prosper? Anybody want to prosper? Anybody needs prosperity in the year 2020? Here it is. Meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. As you meditate on the word, the Lord gives you strategy. The Lord gives you ideas. The Lord opens doors for you as you meditate. In fact, the scripture says in Psalm 32 and verse number 8, what does it say? I will teach you and instruct you in the way to go. I will have my loving eye on you. Ah, is there a businessman here who is looking for some, for some way to do business, to make the right decision? God says, as you look into my word, I will teach you and I will instruct you in the way that you need to go. Is there somebody, whatever it is that you're looking for, you want to prosper, it is here. 
It is right here. I have seen one thing. One thing that I know in my Noah, without a doubt, that every man who began to seek God, every man who began to lay his eye on the Lord, everyone who said, my, thy kingdom first, eh, everyone who did that became a prosperous person. When I look at Abraham, I see that he was prosperous. When I look at Isaac, I see he was prosperous. When I look at Jacob, I see he was prosperous. When I look at David, he was prosperous. Oh, when I look at, who is it in the Bible that you will find, that you don't find one who was seeking God who is not prosperous? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be what? Added unto you. They'll be added unto you. Oh, I have a message from the Lord this, this morning. Psalm 119 verse number 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things in your law. May that be our prayer today. Open our eyes that we may see those wonderful things. That we may see you, Jehovah. We may see you as a provider. We may see you as a, in 2020. This, 20, this year should be a different year. This year should be a year when disciples are made. This year, when, whoa, when I've been thinking, I cannot do it, I cannot do it. God has said, I have equipped you. I have called you. I have filled you. Hey, all authority in heaven and earth is upon you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore. You, you have it. There is nothing that would stop you and I from making disciples. Nothing at all. In fact, I am longing. You know what I see? I see this church so full. I see people standing on the doorway, on the, on the, on the windows, trying to see what is going in. Why? Because there's a people here who have seen their God. I am seeing that. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 7 says, Jesus came. To open blind eyes. This is why he came. He came to bring prisoners out of the dungeon. There are many out here who are in the dungeons. There are many who are in this place who are in the dungeons. I'm not talking about in the church here. I'm talking about out in this place. Our neighbors. We see them on day to day. We cross paths with them. We say hi to them as we are entering our estates. As we are knocking and closing and locking our doors. As we are fortifying ourselves in our houses and our compounds. We know that they are neighbors who are lost in darkness in the dungeon. And they dwell in darkness. Yes, but Jesus came that he may open blind eyes. That he may use you to open blind eyes. Oh, there is a thing that is, is, is here for us. God is calling you and me that we may rise up. This is our year. Oh, somebody say, this is my year. I will see the Lord. Can the worship team please, please come. There is this song that I wanted us, we sang earlier. Can we just sing it again? I have a message from the Lord. Hallelujah. And the message... Unto you I will give. It's recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live.